A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Hello everyone. You're listening to Blackberry. This is episode 21. Raw 21. Yeah. My name's Nakia. Engaged to Chachala, aka Black Panther. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. Like forever. <laughs> I cannot. Okay, my name's Mary. Um, <laughs> I'm joining the room with Israel and someone who has not been on this podcast in a very, very Stay long time. Hey. Who is Kofi's back. Where are you where have you been, Kofi? <laughs> I've been here, there, I've been everywhere, but I'm here today. No, you're not gonna be as Vegas, damn you. When you came <laughs> Why have you not been on this po- you haven't been in a, literally an exact season? You know you did Ox BB part two, now you're doing Ox BB part three. So You know you know what yeah. Oh wow. Really? Yeah. Damn. You know when before you start the podcast, what happens is that we do a bit of a chat in it to find out like, okay, what we're gonna talk about and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and this was not spoken about at all. Well, so I'm kind of hit this this whole question about where I've been. Yeah. I didn't know it was gonna yeah, come yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. That's so, how we do it. On the spot and that. Yeah, 48 on laws the spot. of power. I don't know, man. I've just it's, it's been a very busy period um with work and other stuff. So You okay? Sometimes you just, yeah, good. Sometimes you just have to prioritise other things in life where you know life life demands that. But we're good. We're good and we're back. So you haven't been prioritizing Black Back again. Huh? You haven't been prioritizing Black Burial. Is that what you're saying? Ooh. You know what? What we're not gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So we are doing Ox BB Part Three today. Thank you for everyone who sent their questions in. We've got some questions. Yeah, I love for that. And they're actually a lot. So I'm literally gonna say the questions and then let Kofi and Israel answer. Oh wow! I'm really looking forward to this. The way she's framed it, just so that she. <laughs> Honestly, that's not happening. Especially after watching Black Panther. What? You're not you know. going to play the role of just pushing it to the guys. This is we we want equality here, so yeah, you want to yeah. hear your thoughts too. Oh, okay, let me let me channel my inner Nakia Okoye. No, guys, what? <laughs> okay, so first question: Is Black Burrito just for Black people? Yes and no. <laughs> Politician. Mm. Now, I only said that because of um, Chadwick's uh, interview at the Breakfast Club. Oh. <laughs> is, is Black Panther a black movie? Yes and no. Yes and no. Okay, so is Black Panther for black people? Israel, what do you think about that? <laughs> Wait, which one? Black is, Panther? No, no, no. Black Bria. Is Black Bria only for black people? Uh, it's, I'll start with saying it's not. Um, in terms of it's accessible to all, open to all. We definitely want everyone who can to be able to listen to the podcast and take from it what they can. We would say that it is in the sense that it is targeted or is trying to target um, issues that affect the black British community. And so naturally what that will mean is that some of the topics we will discuss may not be topics that are necessarily at the forefront of broad culture, Mm. um, but our conversations... Um, that are already existing within a very small group, the Black British community, at this moment especially as well, specifically London, I would say. Um, so in that sense, and I think that's why we have that yeah. uh, word at the beginning, Black, to say there is a focus to mm. the kinds of issues we want to address. Yeah, But that's not an exclusive statement. Um, so it is, again, we address things that are not only pertaining to black yeah. people 
Um, but we do have that focus. I think to jump off the back of what Israel said, um, I think it's important to note that truth is truth irrespective of your race. Mm. So anyone can benefit, hopefully, from the content that we're producing across multiple platforms because we're trying to to express biblical truth. Um, but what we're also trying to do, and I think that centers our, our sort of content creation, is express it in a way that... Um, is very aware of the subjective lens of black British culture. Mm. Um, so Israel touched on it, but yeah, what we're saying is hopefully going to be biblical truth, but it's going to be targeting issues that affect people that come from a particular culture. And maybe to a certain extent, someone might not relate a hundred percent to the experience, but they can relate to the truth and hopefully they can extrapolate that and use that for their benefit. Yeah. I agree with you guys. <laughs> and sometimes we need stuff for us, you know, for us, by us, sometimes. <laughs> mm. so I remember when we did the launch, the blackbrewer.com, and I think our tagline is like, Black British Biblical. And there was people that were like, well, is this, this is very divisive. Like, we're one body. Like, why are we separated? Why are we being very separate? Some of them were American though, weren't they? I think some of them were British too. Yeah, yeah, but some of them were American. Oh, so you think they had an issue <laughs> with us being British? No, I think, I just think sometimes Americans can have very strong views on things that maybe don't necessarily oh, wow. follow on with the, the the way of the shots are clear to see no it's not even a <laughs> shot you know it's not even a shot but I, I find that Americans can have their views that are very distinctive um, mm. which don't necessarily lend themselves well to, to mm. going overseas but hey and if you read our articles you listen to our podcast you watch our videos you'll realise that we're not just for black people yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah so the incarnation which is like our latest video Nothing about black people at all. Mm. Um, Latest article about singleness, which Mary wrote. Okay. It's not about, it's <laughs> Shout not about out black people, is it? It's that. not. Blair. <laughs> um, so, okay, next question. Talking about relationships, nice little follow, follow on. See what you did there. <laughs> what are biblical reasons to end a courtship, relationship, dating? Wow. What your, with your girlfriend, boyfriend, and what are reasons that are not sufficient? I'm gonna lose it if they ain't a Christian. <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. They gotta go. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Tell them go. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Tell them go. Oh my day. So, so if you if you go into a relationship with someone and you realize they're not a Christian or yeah, you was a Christian, so you was with I was with Mark. I always use Mark. And then I became <laughs> this Mark. He might be real. He's not real. Um, and then be, I became man. a Christian. Well, I should break up with him. Yes. De facto, like okay. I think <laughs> because this question obviously um, can rattle, but I think that answer is just the first answer that is just not it's, on in on any clear Christian understanding. It's just not tenable um, to be dating a non-Christian if you're a Christian. Um, okay, I agree. And so yeah, that's just cut it. Any other cut reasons? I'm, I'm I'm not gonna do devil's advocate of what Israel said because I don't think you can biblically but I think the things that I want to just like jump on (laughs) the the first is the first is that often when these discussions are had um, even particularly about um, what Israel mentioned that you know absolutely no chance you can't have a relationship with an unbeliever because the Bible is very clear about the relationship like darkness and so on but I think what also needs to be understood is the Bible's teaching is clear but that doesn't mean that the human experience is easy. 
So mm. there may be times when actually someone finds themselves in a position where like they like someone mm. who's not a Christian person. Mm. And that's because of the, the Imago Dei factor that every human being shares. So you can you can vibe with someone, you can like the same music, you can just like talk into them, you like their energy and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And there'll be times where you have to say, rah, you have everything I'm looking for, but this part you don't have. And this part is so important to me that mm. I'm going to have to forego that. And I think that's an important thing to have because sometimes when you just say it's a blanket thing, like, yo, she's not a Christian or he's not a Christian. Ah, oh, get out of there, blah, blah, blah. It kind of, you kind of like, you're, 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 you're right, but you're not understanding that the person who's involved in that situation is actually going to find it difficult because of the emotional ties they might have to that person. The next thing I would say is sometimes people say these things like, oh, courtships can't break up. They shouldn't break up, blah, blah, blah. And all that kind of stuff. And, I don't know I feel like sometimes it escalates courtship to like engagement where it's just a period of time where people are waiting to get married and saving mm. to get married but if 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 courtship is not if if it's not engagement then it has to be something different um and I think what I would want to say is to, to start off the discussion there needs to be that sense of can I legitimately say for a courtship to end up there must be some form of sin by one or both sides in that relationship if I can't make that biblical argument and I don't think you can, then that necessitates the fact that there should be legitimate reasons for breaking up. And it's just a question of like thinking about what those legitimate reasons can be. Mm-hmm. Um, going back from there, I think I'm a bit, <laughs> I think I'm a bit more liberal in that I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> think, yeah, I think so. I think I'm a bit, bit more liberal. Um, and I think there, there are loads of reasons why courtships can break up and they don't necessarily need to be um, acrimonious or whatever. Um, one such thing I can think of is compatibility. Oh, you want me to talk about compatibility? No, I'm saying, could that be a reason? I wasn't thinking that. I okay. think so, though. Mm-hmm. I think someone can have, you can have very different views of life and you only find that out when you get to closer quarters and you might together make a decision that says, I love you, or maybe you don't, you're not in that stage where you love you. I like you, whatever, but these we're so different on these things and neither of us want to change these things so maybe at this stage you might be sensible for us to part ways mm. um which sounds like mad i think for for certain people who are going to hear this but i don't know i think I, I i remember i remember reading way back way back when some um like testimonial thing that i was reading i think like a puritan book or whatever don't quote me but the, <laughs> the the sentiment was that this guy was courting this woman and then he was like you know what I think she would be a better fit for my friend. And he went to go tell his friend about this woman. And so like, look, this is her Christian character, so on and so forth. And like, he broke up with her. Mm-hmm. And then the guy he told about pursued her and so on, they got married. And I just think in our context, the way we've made it, it seems like if a courtship breaks off, it's divorce. And it's not that, even though there's a sense of gravity that needs to be had when mm. you enter one. So, yeah. Oh yeah, so oh, what? What were your thoughts? Have you, have you, have you finished your point? <laughs> I don't even know where we ended. I don't know where we ended. You, you, you. So what happened was Richard and Eden and Dami came in the studio, so we had a bit of a a small hiatus, and we're back. And because we were living off our short term memory, I don't even know where I was in it. So what <laughs> we're going to do is carry on the question. Okay, um, so and reasons if, to yeah. end a courtship. So could distance be one? So I, I can say, I think you can make a legitimate argument for distance, um, not necessarily being a sinful reason for people breaking up. Mm. So if pe- if 
work, for example, or life, you know, you might have to go look after a, a relative, whatever, mm-hmm. in another country or immigration issues. Like, life happens and you have to move to a whole other part of the world and that person you're with can't move with you. How long are you there for? If it's like a short term. If, you, if it's indefinite, that's the thing. Oh, if it's a long term. Yeah, it's, it's a location change. And I think, I think biblically, and again, like jumping on, you know this i think what we see in the context of marriage is there's an expectation that partners live together like they do life together mm-hmm. in a very intimate closed context context and so while some, some people can make it work to have like really long distance marriages and so on i don't think that's the that's the the the, the, the paradigm that the bible wants to create as normality um and so if someone wants to say yo i'm in tokyo and you're in um panama and we have to be there for like the next six years and then we've like started quitting maybe like mm, a month ago. Yeah, we might have to say, you know what? Sorry, B. Um, we've got to go our ways, separate ways. Um, and sometimes the girl doesn't like the guy anymore. The guy doesn't like the girl anymore. Is that is that wild? I don't... That's I don't, wild. It's not... I, is that, why is that wild? So what, when you stop liking me in marriage, what do you think? Hey, that's different shots. though. You commit to me. That's different. That's that's the that's the point. That's the point. When, okay, I'm, I'm when, doing different levels. No, but when, when when you when you go, but I'm I'm gonna marry this person. Like mm-hmm. you, you say your vows. Yeah, you you make a commitment at that point, which says that irrespective of all that happens in the changing scenes of life, I'm committed to you. Mm-hmm. That even at that point, you even even in that in that commitment you're making. If I find out that person is an unbeliever after we've got married, I'm staying. Mm-hmm. Israel's earlier point was that, um, what do you call it? You, you shouldn't date an unbeliever, which the Bible says, right? Mm-hmm. But the Bible also says uh, that First Corinthians 7 passage, if the unbeliever is disposed to stay with you, then stay with them. Mm-hmm. If they go, they go. But that's the point. Don't break up the marriage after that. So there's things that happen in terms of commitment in marriage that aren't necessarily required or even actually are expressly said not to be required in anything that comes before marriage. So I think in terms of the driving on to the point of commitment, I think there's I think the expectation levels of commitment has to increase when you're married. And I don't think you can put that same level on courtship. That doesn't necessarily legitimize me saying if a girl stops liking you or a guy stops liking that's right but mm-hmm. i just feel like i, I you love you. me you love me what's, what's <laughs> all of I, this i agree i think there's a sense depending <clears throat> on how you define courtship and that's something we spoke about in, in a previous podcast because some people see courtship as pre-engagement or it's, they see it as a very serious thing so almost a very serious thing should end it whereas if you're saying it it's not marriage so someone has a freedom to move and say okay today i'm in and tomorrow i'm out and it's not sinful then they have the freedom to do it what do you think israel um i I would agree on the point that it's not i don't think any reason quote any reason could be classed as sinful i think i think in principle um and this is theoretical no that's wrong right no okay let me let me let me rephrase let me rephrase (laughs) it's wrong let me rephrase what what i mean is wait hold on go on what were you gonna say what was i gonna say no no kofi we're breaking up. Why are we breaking up? Because I don't want to love you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple. The way you pre- the way you phrased it. But no, that- no, no. We're breaking up because I don't want to marry you. No, no, no. But that's the point. I'm saying that you can create reasons why, like that, are actually just simple. Why whoa. is that sinful? That I, don't, I, I don't. That want, is a sin. That I don't want to love. Whoa! No, 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 no. 
I don't want to love you as somebody who's going to be my spouse because okay, no, just okay, in general. Let me, let me, just, let me, that's the point. I'm wait, saying no, I'm, no, but I was that's but that's the point. I was just trying to show that you can actually create a reason. Okay, I was. I, I okay, love you. you know what? My, my bad. I was working within a common sense framework that said oh reasons like I, oh I, no 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 because that's being, what no no you're common sense. I understand. I understand. I went to school. What you're doing is me too. I went to school. You're showing that I need more precision, which is fine. Okay, because I was assuming things like you're not gonna say. I want to break out of you because I have thoughts of you know smashing your head, uh-huh. like just not because I I guess I said anything right so <laughs> anything is quite literally anything so I, I I'll cool. give you that. Again, okay, let me rephrase it. Given that in a courtship, and I'm presuming, and you guys can disagree with me this on this point, this courtship is to consider this person as a spouse. I think so. Yeah. So we're 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 in I this relationship. I, I want to marry. We're not saying we are. We're not committing to the marriage. We're con- co- committing to the consideration of a marriage, is courtship, and then engagement is I committing have, to the marriage, I think we right? Different views of courtship. No, no. I think I'm a bit more conservative. Would you, no, so okay. He said not, you liberal. <laughs> but here's what pissed me. Said no. To be honest, I go. I agree with you because cons- he's not. He's not proposing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. proposal. I, I, I feel like proposal is saying we are going to commit to marrying each other and start planning towards it. Yeah courtship is we're considering each other for marriage i think the hard thing in, in our con- in our culture as well is that a lot of people in courtship are already planning their marriage mm-hmm. so people plan their marriage before they get engaged <laughs> then so i mean again this is, this is personal I, I don't think that's wrong but in my head i think if you're doing that then you've already moved you're engaged to, you're, yeah you're, you're functioning as you as though you're engaged yeah. because that traditionally is what you do in engagement and the ring thing is just ceremony at that yeah. point. Yeah. So, so I'm saying that if you're considering this person, right, um, you could say in principle, without it being sinful, I just don't want to consider you f- as to be a future spouse, and then end it at that, and then walk away because you have. So you haven't ended I'm the friendship. Away. You haven't ended the friendship. You haven't. You haven't. From you know, the um, shamed their life. character. All those things. You're just saying. You know, we, we can be good friends, yeah. But I don't want to walk towards that road that ends in marriage. Um, however, the driving principle I think for any reason has to be wisdom. I I I, I don't want to be too dogmatic in giving yeah. precise examples, but I think it needs to be deeply, deeply considered. Mm. Like I would not trust anyone, no matter how legitimate it sounds. If they woke up tomorrow and said, "Yeah, we're done," and, like haven't I, spoken to anyone. Yeah, it has to be thought through. I would even say get in counsel from people. Because ideally, in the multitude of counselors, yeah, you're meant your the, yeah. the the courtship should have existed in the presence of other um, advisors, counselors around you, and so even they should have been brought into the whole discussion around should we end it. Um, and if after you know prayer, after um, consideration, after talking to the person, after talking to counsel, you do end by saying, you know what, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm I don't want to be in this anymore. I would say, I would lean towards saying, you know what, that's fine. Because you've taken the virtuous approach, which has been to exercise wisdom in your actions. Just just to jump back, yeah. I think the key thing in all of this then, in terms of like points to take away, is prior to courtship, there needs to be a real discussion between the two people involved as to what it means to them so that they're on the same page. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I agree with you. Because if, if you're on the same page, you know what actions you need to take. 
um, as you're going forward? Do you know what milestones you're going to check in on and say, okay, we're at this stage now of our relationship. What are our thoughts on these kind of things? When you have clear communication at the start, it just avoids some of the difficulties where one party might go, I want to break up. Another party was like, whoa, how are we breaking up? I thought we're getting married next May. That kind of thing. You don't That's want that so kind peak. of situation. Um, yeah. Cool. Next question. How do you navigate being a black Christian in the reform space, especially given so many, especially US-based churches, seem to brush off systematic racism or label it all as individual sin? Do you, did you struggle with this? And if so, how do you manage this? Also, your podcast is lit. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. You go watch Black Panther. <laughs> Can you expand? Wait, what? I think that answers the question. <laughs> so the answer is you just go and watch Black Panther. I mean, that will help. <laughs> Are you prescribing this as a... As a law? No, no, as a solution to the question. The solution to the question. You're actually trolling. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, you know. I'm still going to get my head around. I'm like, I'm so shaky. I'm like, what? Uh, is, oh. I only saw, saw it yesterday, so I'm still excited. Same, yeah. same. So yeah, did you guys struggle with this? How do you manage this? How do you navigate being a black Christian in the reform space? Conservative space? By and large... I think the because the the heart of the Christian is Christ, I found that um, there are struggles, but the first thing and the thing that must take, I think, preeminence is that there is unity, even with those who may not see everything the way you see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found a lot of comfort, which is, I know it sounds sort of like, contrary to the whole nature of the question but I found yeah. a lot of confidence being in reform space because of the sound theology because of the commitment to Christ um, to his word to his church to the advancement of the gospel and so on and so forth so that's what I'll say I'll start by saying it isn't a space that black people should be trying to avoid can I just ask you a question about that actually because I, I know you in it like you're one of my good friends do you think it helped that you you see theology as a hobby because I I think that that instantly gives you something to to that connects you with someone um, as a talking point. Whereas if you're if you're a black person who loves the law, so you you all love theology, but you don't see it necessarily as a hobby. You don't have that necessarily as a reference point to go. Oh hey, nice to meet you. Oh have you read blah 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 blah? <laughs> and you start talking from mm. there, where you might go. Oh yeah, I grew up here, and they're like where? <laughs> like that kind. You don't have that. And it's I, just human connected. I, I can yeah. I can see that. I think that that. I think that has played a part, uh, but I don't think that would be the only thing that would help. So I'm thinking for so other instances, for example, part of the nature of just fellowship, talking with other Christians is going to be um, applying the Bible to everyday experiences. And I do believe that um, for a lot of the cases, a black person entering a majority white reformed space can find sound counsel for the majority of their life circumstances mm. because there's great overlap just there are, obviously there are differences between black and white experience in the world but there is a lot of overlap issues with you know so imagine you're going to a, a christian union yeah, yeah. and you're in university you're struggling with your exam that's just an, an immediate experience that i think a white reformed christian in your university can be like hey there's a scripture that we can turn to to discuss and pray about this exam. Something of instances like that where I think it, even if theology is not a hobby per se, it's something that you do yeah. when you have spare time. Um, you you know, being 
in the context of sound theology and sound fellowship is a benefit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do take your point though, yeah. that the whole thing I just think, I just think the, the difficulty of that is that can happen in a church that's, that's functioning biblically and you won't see, you, you don't necessarily have to see those people as your friends. And I think for a lot of people, when you're Christian, you want your closest friends to be Christian. They don't necessarily have to come from your church, but you want them to be Christian mm. because, so you can share the entirety of who you are with them. Um, and they can pour into you, iron sharpens iron, and so on and so forth. You can be in that context where you're getting this solid discipleship, but they're not your friends. Like, you don't see Ruth, who's 38, as your friend, and you don't see Michael, who's your age mate, as your friend. And I think that community aspect, where I think fellowship is the central point, your 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 relationship in Christ with one another, um, I, th- I can see why some people find it very difficult in those contexts, where it's like, okay like we, we love the same lord um but i don't i don't feel the sense of you knowing me as a person um i can sort of see why some people struggle with that i don't think i ever had that though and the reason i don't think i ever had that is because i think i was just i was gonna say lucky but providence just sort of led me down a path where i was always in a black context mm-hmm. so i never knew i never knew otherwise so i like was became converted at a university my closest friends who subsequently or prior converted were black came back came back home and eventually started going to a black reform church like everyone was black so Mm. my normal christian experience of sound Mm. theology was in the context of black people um so they understood what it's like to go into a room at work and see 12 people in the room and instantly notice that you're the only black person there um, and the feelings that that might present and so on and so forth and then you can talk intimately about those challenges and how the Lord would have us deal with them whereas if you're in a, in another type of church because they don't have that subjective reality and they're imperfect beings they find it they will find it more difficult to, to weep with those who are weeping mm, or they might even just dismiss it so you know if, much, yes. if you if you've seen systematic racism and someone's chalking it up to individual sin it's yeah. very painful yeah uh, you've already seen the whole the struggles that people have had in dealing with a lot of the race issues and things that have had and have been that's that's happened in america and people are saying okay you know but the gospel is the biggest issue mm. you know re- racial reconciliation you know crisis reconciled that's so it's like I, there's no kind of concern for them mm. and that could make you almost want to avoid a specific space if you feel like that's all that people are going to be about um yeah I think I think I'm 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 concerned in any in any sort of discussion where I see people try to use the the gospel as a means to um disassociate themselves from their responsibility to to help their fellow man. I'm concerned when that happens. It doesn't necessarily mean it's always wrong, but I'm always, I always harken back to like reading um I think it was a sermon by Spurgeon where he was talking hypothetically about preaching to a homeless man and he spoke of having um, a sandwich in one hand um, and the Bible in another. Um, and just that, just that sense of, yeah, practically that person needs a demonstration of love at that point. Like they might be dying. Like they're, they're on the street hungry. They haven't ate for three days or whatever. There needs to be something practical there. Um, but ultimately, if you just feed them, they're going to die and go to hell, right? Mm. So they, they need the, the, the food that if you eat, you're not going to hunger again. So I think there's a sense in which, I'm not saying they're equal priorities at all. I don't think they are. But I just think it's important that people don't just go, we're just going to focus on the gospel. 
so what that that's happened happening essentially because you just put people in a position where it's like i feel this this is real to me yeah. and you're just saying that it's nothing and that's not that's not that can't run yeah i think i think in, in kind of dealing with this talk the racism talk it and it's made me a lot it's made me patient because when i speak to people about sexism for example or misogyny and like i speak to guys and they just don't get it i'm like this is actually how it feels when you speak to um yeah. people who are white and they don't get racism yeah. it's like oh now I, now, now I get now I know how it feels yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so it's just about being patient and, and, and hoping you know of course you've got people in your church and these people are believers they're compassionate they're patient these these are characteristics of what it means to be a Christian so you know deal graciously with them it's not everyone that some people will get it. some people are over time will understand your pain if they see you crying they're gonna think okay I don't understand why you're crying but I know you're crying yeah um, this is just all about being patient and gracious I think you know one of the things that you just like touched on there that I think is proper important is just because you have the moral high ground doesn't mean you're practicing the right morality hmm. and I think there's times hmm. I think it's come back with punchlines though oh, you're dumb you're dumb you're <laughs> both of you you're dumb but I think there's a sense in which at times when we have um, the right to have a righteous anger we can set down our guard and mm. we're not we're not focused in ensuring that it only stays as a righteous anger so because at times it can slip into ah, oh, like you don't understand anything blah 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 like <laughs> yeah blah you whatever man you white man whatever and that that shouldn't ever be the case in a christian context mm. even th- even though you have your your pain and like it can be genuine and sincere and so on you have to make sure that your expression of it is also caught in and, and, and is controlled by how christ would have it be um, and that extends to going, you know, bro, you might not get this, um, but this is why it's important to me. And I want you to understand it and helping mm. someone to walk along that process. Because I remember there was a time, yeah, like last year, probably, maybe the year before, last year or something, where I was reading The Guardian, I was like, rah, there's like bare stuff on feminism. I just think, and then I just had a thought, I was like, okay, so so what? Like, why is that in your head? And it's like, is this, I, don't, I just feel, that, is that how people feel when they see like stuff about race? Because <laughs> it doesn't directly affect me. Yeah. Mm. So I don't necessarily see the importance of it. And so I had to have that discussion with myself where I was like, you know, actually, no, this matters. And there's reasons why it matters. And I think that's at times something that other people are going to have to deal with when it comes to race, where it's like, I see this all the time. Does it really matter? Because you're not subjectively experiencing it. Mm. You don't see its significance. And so you have to walk with one another on that road. But sometimes people got to help us walk. You know, you got to take the first step as well. Mm. Cool. Next question. Should a Christian woman join a feminist group at work with the aim of instilling a Christian perspective? I plead the fifth. Why? Wow. <laughs> so let's say I ask you, King Kofi, I'm at work and you've got a feminist group. I really want to join to instill a Christian perspective. What would be your counsel to me? I leave the WhatsApp message unread for like two weeks. <laughs> As you usually do. <laughs> and then after two weeks, when you reply, what are you going to say? <laughs> what did you decide to do? <laughs> <laughs> Can you, okay. I'll, I close your WhatsApp because you never reply. So I message Israel and I'm like, Israel, uh-uh. there's a Christian, um, no, there's a feminist group at work. Yeah. Should I join it? Yeah, I really want to. Is that what I'd say? Yeah. What, what, what would be your reasons why? Um, it's, a, it's an opportunity. It's such a freedom fighter. It's not. Well, it's not going to be easy, and it might not be what you think, but it is an opportunity. And I and I and I and I am very, very pro opportunity. But wouldn't you be? I think for me personally, because there's like an inner feminist inside, I'm trying to fight. But 
No, because I think. <laughs> Can't you do both? I... <laughs> you need to listen to Feminine Appeal. Um, but I feel like for me, I would almost, it would lead to like misandry. I would literally go to, I think with my sinful tendencies, I would go to the extreme where okay. one, min- one, min- one minute I'm trying to instill a Christian perspective. <laughs> the next minute I'm being instilled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, talk, you talk, Sheila, yes. <laughs> we don't need those men. <laughs> um, but I think if you, of course, it does provide you with opportunity. And if you feel like, I don't want to say you're called, but if you feel like you could be helpful in terms of developing relationships <laughs> and talking, then go for it. But if you feel like it's not, because a lot of the, because I think a lot of the, the feminine, feministic kind of um, values values and manifestos, it naturally appeals to the woman. And by the time you know it, you've almost mm. gone so left that you can't come back. So. I, I think the thing I would just say is, it's very difficult to say a blanket answer yeah. because feminist movements have such variance within them. Mm-hmm. And so if it's a, a type of feminism that you would say that um, it's been pushed to actually is, is completely anti-Bible, that type of feminism, then maybe you, you think, actually, I'm not going to navigate in that space. But I think there's, there's tons of things that with regards to feminism, I think are, uh, it just draws from Christianity, mm-hmm. like equal, equality between the sexes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a Christian principle. I don't think it's like divorced from Christianity in that sense. So I think a, a Christian. I even think a Christian at times now. I'm thinking about it. I don't. I don't mind a Christian saying I'm a feminist. I don't think that's problematic in and of itself because I think there's a. I've changed in it on that. But Kofi think, has definitely changed. But <laughs> it's what's face. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. True, no, true talk. But I think there's there's a lot within feminism that you can say is is. is like it's it's not it's not anti Christian Christianity, mm, mm. Um, but I think you have to you have to be just like careful to see what type of feminism is being yeah. espoused. Same with the, like the race thing, you know. Right. You have to be careful what type of views on race are being espoused. Um, on on that note, I would say the okay two things. First of all, I am thinking that the group we're discussing here is sort of a broad level, popular level type feminism, because I still don't think that the most radical forms of feminism that exists are at the popular level that tends to be the academic um scholarly level so i think a feminist group you're on at twitter. huh you on twitter yeah. yeah and you still think that yeah interesting so i what i mean is um okay maybe my definition of radical is a lot more radical than because of what I've read, <laughs> um, he called me dumb again. <laughs> no, 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 no. So as in, you I've read, read much, I've read, acad- I've read academic feminists that go real, like all out, which makes you know watching stuff on on news channels a bit more moderate in my eyes. Uh, anyway, the point I was trying to make with that is that I think because it's popular level type feminism, mm-hmm. a lot of it, like you said, overlaps in terms of draws from christian principles which is actually why i think somebody should join to make an influence because you can do the a very simple two-step apologetic method which is one see one two step i love it (laughs) you're not that's you're taking me back to my i don't know why we're singing sierra when oh oh, yeah (laughs) wow in 2006 days well that was a banger anyway continue um (laughs) what was i saying so yeah one two step one two (laughs) For this, this, is, this is how I'll be going to sleep and that song will be in my head <laughs> it's cool um, the first step would be to show why their worldview whatever that is whether that's atheism agnostic, agnosticism pantheism whatever why it's inadequate to explain 
or to account for the feminist principles they uphold. And then secondly, to show why Christianity is the only worldview that can actually account for the feminist principles they hold. And I think that two-step method actually is so powerful in like deconstructing non-Christian worldviews. And that's why I think it can be such a good thing to do in a feminist group. Because like Mary said, there's a lot of passion in, in feminism, broadly speaking. And no one, I, don't, I can't imagine any feminist is going to say, I just want to give up my my def, um, my advocacy of equality. Like, I, I can't imagine someone to say, I'll just give it up. But if you show, yeah. actually, I'm glad you want equality of the sexes, but your atheism doesn't give you that. Christianity does. I think actually does a lot to make, to show the compelling nature of Christianity. Obviously, more must be done in terms of, um, evangelism and showing Christianity but it does show the compelling side of Christianity mm. and why it's actually the worldview that resonates most truly with the human soul yeah mm. word can Christianity and culture success I can't speak today can Christianity and culture successfully <laughs> complement each other I'm honestly? dying do I have lisp I think I have lisp <laughs> can Christianity and culture successfully complement each other and the person said honestly so they don't believe that I'm assuming of course it can. <laughs> can you give me can. more? Yes. But would you say as long as it marries with the scripture? Yeah. So, so generally speaking, right? Culture is just what humans create with creation. Mm-hmm. So God creates and then what is the physical, literal things that he makes? We then construct stuff and we call that culture. Now, can humans construct things that are perfect, that are in line with the will of God, the mind of God, the design of God? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, the obviously the complexity comes out of the fact that we live in a fallen world mm-hmm. which means that in the creation of culture whether christian or not there's always a stain of sin that exists within whatever is made um but in principle if you're saying can christianity and culture marry yes they can because culture is a derivative of god's good creation and therefore we must say that culture can be compatible with christianity and they can marry well. I think it's a shame because we, I think most Christians tend to avoid culture. Yeah. So they see culture as immensely negative. Um, mm. I remember like reading a book, it was the Nancy Percy Total Truth book. And she spoke about how um, like in the 90s, Christians went to politics and they went to Capitol Hill and they wanted to... Religious right movement. Yeah, yeah they wanted yeah. to change the world. Yeah. And the left just went and changed culture. Mm. And it's almost like culture impacts art. And so it's like, um, politics is reactive and culture is it, it, it actually that is kind of causes true. the trend so Christian Christians mm. are running into politics and it's like actually why don't you stay within culture and, and push it there um, and I, I remember there was a why not oh, both what's his name oh, yeah do both I think this guy <laughs> called Andy Crouch he wrote a book about culture yeah culture makers. making that was really um, good he yeah. about how we yeah. are to engage with culture yeah. you know God yeah. has given us we've made in his image to, to engage to impact culture especially having creation and being creative in that right and i just think it's a shame when we we're so afraid of culture that we almost just stay in our rooms and hope we're not infected by it um, are you just gonna stay quiet nothing to add i think those are good answers and gregory thornbury of uh the king's college in new york just released a new book uh i think it's called why does the devil have to have all the good music (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's basically making that is a, the trashiest title <laughs> I like the title what Christians make good music all the time what are you trying to say um, uh, we have an interest in history let's just say that uh, 
Let's just not, say that. Uh, but so, I think much, so it, much Christian music is rubbish. Shut up. It's absolutely rubbish. <laughs> okay, if you so get out of the so room. much of it is rubbish. <laughs> no, I would say 40% of it is rubbish. Uh, it's improved no, I'm, so I'm, much. Like, I'm not talking about church songs because like some of them are lit. No, 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 the church but, songs like, are lit. As in, you're talking about like what, Christian rap? Uh, what Christian rap is lit? Give me a break. Lit. Christian pop. What else? Rock. I have. I don't listen to rock. Um. What else is there? The crap. You're such a hater. Anyway, I'm moving on because were you gonna say something? Because <laughs> Kofi's irritating. I was. Crap. I actually was gonna say something, but I'm trying to remember now. I'm gonna give myself three seconds to remember. Uh, so yes, what I was gonna say is that in terms of in terms of Christianity and culture, what you have to then do. So now we're okay. We started by saying culture is good inherently good and so it can it is it can be compatible with christianity um the point i was going to make was that because of the fall it looks mud and often is has deviated away from the structure of yeah. the good creation of god and the and this is the point i want to make christian christians then i think should feel a certain impetus to and i'm going to use this way this phrase i know there's been controversy around it redeem culture I generally do believe that that's an illegitimate phrase that, that should be in the Christian vocabulary, um, which is to look at the world around them and to say, you know, there, there are aspects to music and the music industry that are good and we're going to affirm those and to actually support them and encourage them. And there are aspects that aren't good, that are away and stray from the um, good creation of God. And what we actually want to do is to advocate for the redirection, you know, the redemption. That's what, that's what re- redemption means, to, to take from bondage if we're going back to exodus right this thing has been take taken captive by sin and because the christian knows what the good creation looks like they can then work to reshape that according to the good creation of god and that glorifies god because that is upholding his original intention his original creation mm. and affirming the goodness he has endowed as good mm. so we should wow we should. You're gonna swallow the mic. Bro. <laughs> 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 oh, it is. Yeah. I just. I can't we should engage culture. Yes. Okay. Next question. Which is one of my favorite topics. What is biblical manhood? What does it mean to be a man? Would love to hear your thoughts. I'm just gonna sit back and let you guys impart wisdom. Wow. 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 What's That's biblical it. manhood? Biblical manhood is Christ. I know. Um, biblical manhood. Okay, how do I start? I actually had a framework in my head regarding this question. I'm trying to remember it. I had three aspects. Um, yeah. Okay. So the first thing would be biblical manhood at the very, very, at the very, at the very, very, very core is just biblical Christianity in the sense that um, I don't want to start with the distinction between the male and the female so quickly. I want to start with the expectation of the Christian broadly and then move down to the distinction. So by saying, first of all, if you're asking what is biblical manhood, first of all, it's being a, it's being a believer. Um, it's, it's holding fast to Christ. It's um, devotion to, to God, um, submission to the spirit. It looks like, uh, you know, f- faithfulness to, to God's people and his church. And it looks like biblical Christianity. It looks like mirroring the sacrificial nature of Christ in giving oneself away. It looks like, um, you know, walking with the confidence that you have in the spirit regarding the decisions of your life, regarding um, your relationships, and just being a Christian, um, 
right belief, right living. Now, in terms of distinction, because obviously we're saying biblical manhood as opposed to biblical humanity, mm-hmm. I guess, right? Yeah. I would say then, um, I would split it into two things, virtue and role slash responsibility. Um, virtue, I this is what I personally use when I think of or how I've shaped my understanding of biblical manhood for myself. So I'm just, t- I'm just telling you what Israel Went through, uses as their, yeah, to, to say, for me, because I had, I had a crisis phase where I was like, Am I a man? In, and, and all that stuff. And then, and then, and then, and I had to go struggle. through that. <laughs> you know, he was born a man. Had a beard when he came out of the womb. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had to go through this thing where I, I sort of developed a framework to help me understand. And, and it's two things, virtue and responsibility. Virtue is to say, I have five virtues that I that, that guide my life. And I know there are more. There's the, the fruits of the spirits and stuff, but don't at me. These are the five virtues that I use here. So love, which I prefer to wear charity, and I'll come back to that. Okay. Courage, wisdom, humility, and diligence. Mm. Those are Israel's cardinal virtues. Let's of, just let's of just how put to it. Be a man. Yeah. Okay. Um and and I use them more so in terms of thinking about how to operate my life. So I'm constantly asking myself, am I being charitable? Am I being wise? Am I being diligent? Am I being um humble? And am I being courageous? Mm. Um, Let me write this down for Bay. And they've, <laughs> and they, they've really done a lot to help me guide so much of my decisions because so many, and I think this is part of what the crisis of man is about, not really knowing what to do as a man. Mm. What's a man to do? Well, a man, there's so many things. And men are going to differ in decision-making and making decisions because a lot of the decisions we make are not moral per se, right? But if you can say, I am going to make a decision from a place of humility as opposed to pride, I think you're going to be more inclined to make the better decision. Mm. If you're going to reflect on your decision and make a decision according to diligence as opposed to laziness or procrastination, you're going to make a better decision. The same with charity. And the reason I use the word charity is because it has a more sacrificial tone to it. I think I, I feel like love is just... Mm. I like the word love. It's biblical. Let yeah. me just... Sorry, no. before, before, you know, don't <laughs> at me, don't at me charity has this idea of because when we think of charity we literally think right of people giving away Mm -hmm. and i think that's the image i want to capture with the idea of love Mm -hmm. am i being sacrificial am i trying to preserve myself here and those are the the virtues that i use to guide my decisions to guide my actions as a man now in terms of roles and responsibility i just stole from vody barkham the four (laughs) p's um prophet priest provider protector Mm. um and (laughs) the four so and he's, he's coming at it from, Vodi's coming at it from an angle of a man who's looking to get married and what it's like to be a man in terms of husband and father. But I think these four can apply even if you're single, right? So a priest is someone who inter, um, intercedes on other people's behalf to God. So are you, are, you, are you a prayerful man who prays for others, prays for those who are under their watch? And there's always somebody under your watch. Right, it may not be a church, it may not be a, a family of eleven, but there's somebody under you, whether that's someone you indirectly mentor, whether that's um younger brothers and sisters, or even older brothers and sisters, people the people that are influenced by you, do you pray for them? Do you intercede for them? Do you stand on their behalf before God? Prophet, do you proclaim the word in confidence? Do you use the word as you engage in life? Do you speak the word into others? Those you influence, those who are influenced by you. Wait, does that mean those you influence, those you influence? That's the same thing. Wow, <laughs> I just I just went from subject to object. 
those you influence and those you're influenced by yeah <laughs> big man get it together <laughs> wow continue so, yeah, your sermon you know, profit you do you use the word do you engage the word to to reach the hearts of others provider do you have the inclination to provide for others or is it that you're looking to to build up your own wealth and so that looks like and that's where you know the the virtue of charity might come in where you say you know what i could buy myself this new thing but i'm going to provide and look out for the needs of other people and protect her an inclination i think there's a deep inclination within the heart of of a man to protect Mm. those he's been given um over his watch and and those so physically yeah so protector provider prophet priest in terms of roles and responsibilities and then in terms of virtues charity humility wisdom um <laughs> charity humility wisdom courage. diligence and courage mm, that yes was deep. And i think those kind of virtues help in terms of when a man feels like masculinity are things yeah. so if you think to be a man is to be macho to be mm. H, or if you think a man is mm. to be an alpha male or to be the loudest or to be the strongest or to be the richest yeah. then you'll struggle with your identity yeah. but if it's those virtues then and and they and they are you know they, they are supra your place in life so you, a courageous man can be a millionaire and he can also be someone who's still struggling to get a job mm. so it, and 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 therefore you're not looking at people saying oh i'm not a man because i don't have this no 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 if you're aligning yourself with the character that god has laid out for what a man should be then as your circumstance change your masculinity will not be threatened it's not like oh my days i'm about to lose my manhood because i'm going to lose my job um because it's it's it's, it's beyond your job mm. women feel safe around those men <laughs> kofi um, anything you want to say i suppose it's interesting like some of the things that you brought up at the end talking about like being hench matcher or whatever um being a millionaire and so on those are just distortions of things that i think mm. are biblical so mm-hmm. the 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 understanding that I'm only a man when I'm super rich mm. is a distortion of the fact that men should be providers. Mm. The, the 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 discussion around being macho and hench and I have to look this particular way to be a man is again a distortion of the fact that a man has to be a protector mm. and that encompasses physical protection and so on. So yeah. I think a lot of what we see in society are just distortions of what actually the Bible would have men to to, to be like. I don't like to do massive, massive um, definitions on like manhood and stuff, and I, for for various reasons, um, I think to a certain extent, I think if you focus on your Christian life, um, and being what as Israel was touching on, firstly, um, on being first and foremost a, a solid Christian, um, that expression will find itself within the context of you being a man. Mm. um biologically and that will come out in that way so for example the way i just naturally try to demonstrate um that i care for someone differs from the way that like a woman does um doesn't mean that either one of us is caring more but we're both trying to exemplify that that virtue in that sense and it comes out and it's expressed through the fact that i'm a man and she's a woman Mm. um but if i had to give something it would be the sacrificial assumption of the responsibility to love and lead Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you just have that in the, like the forefront of your mind as you're like going through life, um, I think it stand you in good stead. Um, yeah, I think also that like, it shouldn't be an identity crisis kind of thing. I don't think it, it should ever it should ever be that situation. Just be, just because if you're if you're having that discussion with yourself about biblical manhood, you've got to understand that to have that discussion, you've 
first understood that you're a Christian now. Therefore, that should also mean that your identity is in Christ. So you shouldn't be thinking, oh, who am I at that point? It should be okay. So this is who I am. How does Christ want me to act that out? Mm. So yeah, one, so someone sent a question. One question I was recently asked that got me thinking was, why are you a Christian? What is the best thing about being a Christian? Hmm. This is very much like share your testimony. It's so sweet. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. So Kofi, why are you a Christian? The potluck at church. Hmm? <laughs> the what at church? He said the potluck at church. Potluck? You know when the you, meal, the fellowship meal. You know Israel is so American. Oh. Hey, that was actually an American thing to say. That's what no one said. Talk about. Um, I think if we just set aside the fact that um, Christians are chosen in Christ and so on and mm-hmm. talk about my subjective experience of why I was like compelled to come to Christ, I think for me, um, my constitution, I'm just someone who like thinks deeply. Um, <clears throat> and I think that translated to when I was going through my, my conversion experience to, to someone who um, was at a stage where I was like, I'm not seeing any strong arguments I can make that hold up against this mm. and I'm being increasingly compelled by the arguments for this um, intellectually that was it at first and then I think what happened as time progressed is that 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 intellectual work went down into the heart and I became a Christian um, but yeah I think I think that's like a basic five second thing answer Mary um I think, why am I a Christian? That's such a, it sounds so, like, deep. Um, well, it is deep. Christianity is deep, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I think one of the reasons why I'm a Christian is I'm just thinking of, like, my conversion story and how um, I was like, I was to church for a long time. Were you going to say something? No, I was going to oh. sing. Oh, what are you going to say? It's a super story. <laughs> <laughs> You're so life is driving so wrong. Um, I was to church for a long time, so I wasn't going to church with my family for, like, three, four years. And I started going to church. And I remember just starting to read my Bible a lot more and read it because growing up, my dad or someone would preach from that specific text, but I began to read it like as a whole. And I was like, oh, wow, like, it's a lot. It's a lot about Christ and sin mm. and um, death and, and ju- justice and so forth. And I was like, wow. And I remember internally trying to fight against it and like, okay, what about Islam? What about? So I even remember even at like my first period of uni when I, had, I could say I was definitely a Christian, trying to almost s- seek for something that would say okay cool christianity is not true um and there was just nothing that was that was able to deal with sin who will make a remission for sin who will be who will make an atonement for sin and just understanding that sin would if you know if i came to the lord the god the lord would say i was sinful and would banish me to condemnation um and then it's finding immense hope in the gospel in terms of dealing with like internal struggles and dealing with the guilt and shame and knowing that christ saves from both um so that's why I'm a Christian. Um, I, I, well, it's partly a mixture of testimonial um, experience and apologetic engagement. Well, I mean, how do I say it? it's testimony, but the apologetic thing was a key part, um, which I'll explain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in a Christian home and I, I, I feel like I'm going to go story. You're capped at two minutes. Okay, okay. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like he's going to go in? <laughs> I, I like, like Kofi, um, because I had a bent towards thinking deeply. Um, you did? My movement towards Christianity was very much premised initially on um, intellectual 
engagement. So it was, for example, I went. I was an, I had a brief spell in secondary school and I was an atheist because I had read Plato's Republic, um, which really doesn't have anything to do with atheism. Yeah, how irony. old? <laughs> that's, the irony. that's the irony. That's the irony of it all. But I think I got a bit excited. How old am I? Fourteen, fifteen. Wow. Um, and and reading about his participatory ontology convinced me that Christianity must be rubbish. That makes no sense philosophically, but it just shows you the kind of person I was. Um, and so engaging with Christianity in terms of its apologetic weight was how I really started to see um, the, the, the weightiness of Christianity. And that opened the door to um, showing just how... In- showing my, my my sin in terms of total depravity and showing my incapabilities of being freed from sin. Um, so it was, it was almost a two-part thing where I saw the intellectual um, honesty and rigor of Christianity, but I saw the truthfulness in terms of that it accurately described my human condition, which was really actually quite scary. Um, and that led me to saying, you know what, no, this, this thing is real because against all my, you know, philosophical um, chimings, it actually holds up and against all my psychological experiential um, resistance it holds up um and yeah so what's i the kept best under two minutes <laughs> what's mm-hmm. the best thing about being a christian there's many i i love i love i love the intellectual um i sound like as if i'm doing an interview for a job <laughs> i love the intellectual rigor of the job <laughs> I'll, I'll add value to this organization uh, you know what? No, I won't. I won't. I won't go to intellectual. Route. I would say I, I genuinely think it's the fellowship. I think the more I look at the world, the more I think you know what the Christian community provides something that just isn't available anywhere else, and it's just beautiful. Like one hundred percent. Like it's. Uh, I couldn't imagine like life within the Christian church and the Christian community is is it like it's lit for real. <laughs> Like the house is on fire, kind of. You're so corny. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> he said the house is on fire. Get the you just need to go to like Georgia or whatever and like just call it a day. Can you imagine? Yeah, like I think, I think you're done with London. Stop it. Stop it. I agree but, yeah. with you. I agree with you. I think um, friendship, I, I don't even want to do like a friendship appreciation day because oh. like, especially within the mm, local church, mm. within the body, even people that don't go to your church, mm. you can meet someone who you've never met before That's and then it. you start speaking about Christianity and you're like, raw, like, yeah. you're the homie. Yeah. And, yeah. and you only really appreciate it when you spend like an extended period of time with non-believers. And you're like, raw, like, we only we can only go so far and even the way you would mm. you would kind of um, understand that you won't really understand this and it's just yeah you really have a deep kind of appreciation for the saints who can counsel you who can rebuke you who can admonish you who can challenge you who can pray for you who can cry with you who can do everything with you um because you name the name of the lord jesus christ what about you kofi best thing about being a christian i don't know that i can say the best thing um so i'll, I'll answer it differently and say what am I currently appreciating most mm. in my Christian life right now? Um, I think it's it's meaning. Mm-hmm. I think it, we live in a time where so many people are searching for meaning um, in various, various spheres of life um, and looking for causes to devote their lives to and, and reasons for, for living in, in essence. 
um, uh, rather than just like every day, just like pleasure, 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 but actually like, what am I doing? And people search for that meaning at work and that's where you get so many people who are so upset and like mm. disgruntled by work because it's like, it's not fulfilling them because mm. it was never intended to do that, that kind of thing. Um, or people who can't actually have serious conversations or do go through serious thinking um, processes because to go there leads them down this path of ultimately what's the meaning? Mm. Um, so you do so many different types of things to get away from actually being by yourself. Mm. And I think the good, the, the one thing I'm appreciating increasingly about Christianity is that it gives meaning. Um, I don't, I don't have to look for meaning. I have meaning. Mm. My life is significant just by virtue of being a Christian. Like I, I can understand experiences within that context. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know how I would begin to, for example, now, now at this stage, go through. Um, the death of someone I know, whether it's by 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 whatever means, as as a non Christian, mm. like mm. having 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 understood it through the Christian lens, um, and so I think that that sense of just having meaning to all of life, I think, is one of the things I'm increasingly appreciating. Mm. Okay, <laughs> so um, Kofi has some. You want to live in the moment. <laughs> Kofi has some fun questions to ask. Oh, uh, what kind of what kind of prelude is that? Okay, how do you want to? Some to fun be? questions. <laughs> what went to do with that <laughs> listen okay so uh lately i've been out a bit and yeah you have been out oh you mean out as in we're doing in this. the world we're doing this do you mean in the world wow no i meant as in like out in it oh like, living out and about yeah out and about <laughs> um and you know in the midst of being out you, you have conversation with people which is cool um one of the things that i've i've heard quite a few times is uh i'm so nervous <laughs> what are are, are are women like crazy like oh god yeah 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 and I, I i think it's an interesting question just to like tackle like are women actually crazy so when i say crazy i don't mean as in like they have mental health issues yeah, yeah. mental health issues which is a separate mm. issue that should be considered mm. with a certain gravity um but i mean in the sense of like yeah like i think it's often within the context of friendships and relationships but are women crazy like are they mad you see that a lot, in it. You, well, you we hear have, that a lot. Are they bad? We have the token woman. <laughs> wow, that was bad. You gonna see what me go? You gonna see me go? I'm joking. Let me channel so, my. So, Mary, yeah, what, do you, what, do, what do you think? Are you crazy? <laughs> you gonna um, take your wig off? Shut <laughs> up! <laughs> that scene was so lit. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually doing spoilers. No, that. that but that was in the trailer, actually. That so was in the trailer. She was bossy. She was actually bossy. I feel like a lot of times. Well, in most cases, when women are labelled as crazy, it's very dismissive. Mm. So, like, someone is saying a general point. Of course, you have this general assumption that black women are aggressive, that they're abrasive. So, as soon as a woman starts hyping up or talking and saying, this is an issue I have, this is an issue I face, mm. they say, oh, she's going, you know, here she goes, she's lost it, she's going crazy. And I think, actually, it's a lot of the times women are saying pertinent things mm. and men, anyway, let me stop, <laughs> are ignoring, dismissing denigrating them for no reason and it's like they're saying they're saying issues of course there's times when i think there is a sense cause i remember reading the, um there's like an article talking about how um men who have wives who nag them live like five years shout out capital moments <laughs> <laughs> and you know people were quoting the scripture about um it's better to live at the corner of a house than to live with a nagging wife um, yeah and I th- so i think there's, there's a sense of course women we tend to nag and we need to be better at that but in most cases when i've seen someone being labeled as crazy it's a genuine reaction to an actual crazy moment that no one else seems to notice. 
So uh. it's like, this is a girl, this is a woman going through something very serious, very difficult. And she may be speaking in a very kind of irate manner and people are saying, oh yeah, she's crazy. No, she's not. She's actually mm. going through an issue. But that's what I think in most cases anyway. Do you think women are crazy? I think what you said, I absolutely disagree with it and I dismiss it entirely <laughs> and I don't think it's valid. Okay, then. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Um, yeah, I would, I would say I, 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 it's something I've been thinking about like on and off because, um, yeah, like I said, I've been asked it quite a few times. And it comes up in discussion. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would say that women are crazy. I think women have a, a, a great ability to be emotional, mm-hmm. um, which can be positive or negative depending on how it's used. Um, and I give this example of positive, like the nurture that a woman can have um, or offer to a child. Um, I think is something that can't be reproduced in the same way by a man even though he can offer his perspective on it. Um, I think the, the the issue is because we're all fallen beings is that when we don't rein it in, um, we can go to certain extremes. And so, for example, for a guy, the extreme of um, just not being a leader is abdication of responsibility, right? So you get Adam and Adam's like, Ross, the woman you gave me, he doesn't say like it was me. Like I, I made this decision by myself as a man. He says, actually, no, I didn't do anything. Like it's her, mm. and he's abdicating responsibility. And I think with women, one of one of the effects of the fools that can come out is uh, is the the, the misuse of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be actually brought about by the actions of men. Not yeah, it's... not just it just comes out of nowhere, but like mm. um, women have this great ability to 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 be emotional, and sometimes sometimes guys put them in situations where that ability um, comes out, but it's an, it comes out in a negative way. Um, so yeah, I don't think I don't think women are crazy. I don't think they're mad. Um, and sometimes you need a little bit of madness, though. A little bit of spice. I li- I like the idea of like if I haven't answered like the phone all day. And I come home. Give me a little bit of like, what's going on, B? Like, why didn't you answer the phone? But is that craziness? Was that just normal? No, see, that's that's, that's a normal, normal response. That's, that's no, but with energy. Oh, don't well, just like. So it's not. So are you asking the women are not crazy? Women are what? So you're saying it's not just the calm tone. Hey, you didn't pick up your phone all day. Is everything okay? You're saying the whole like up in your face. Why yeah. you not call me all like, that? <laughs> Why is that, is that, why does she have to be American? And why does she have to be, yeah. It just happened, guys. It just, it just <laughs> happened, okay? It's what we watch. All our black movies are from where? Not me. I watch Black Panther. I didn't see that in Black Panther. Black Panther's from Wakanda. It's not America. Exactly. <laughs> it's not Check America. Yourself. No, but I was, in, I was in all the... No, no, no. You know what I meant. All the... All the... All the he hasn't seen it. No, no, that's not what I... Oh, you guys are trying... You're trying it. You're trying it. But I have a calm spirit. Okay? Um... I was thinking of the um, indie movies, right? They're basically all American. Indie? You don't need to explain yourself. Yeah, you're saying well. bare things right now. <laughs> oh my days. Okay, so do you think women anyway, are crazy? Um, I was going to say, when, 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 when that question was asked, the, what I thought in my head was a phrase that I actually heard from a, a woman was, um, people shout when they feel like they're not being heard. Mm. And I think that phrase can, in most instance, instances, encapsulate what men broadly might conceive as women going crazy, which is that they shout because they don't feel like they're being heard by the person. So it goes back to what you said about the whole dismissive nature. 
they say something and it's like, oh, whatever. And then they have to shout or they have to act up to be heard. And then I actually think of a particular story in um, Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. He gives us, he gives a, a, an example. When he had just started planting Redeemer, he told Kathy Keller, his wife, said, look, listen, I'm going to plant a church. I'm going to be very busy. Please give me just two years to sort of like work, super work, essentially. Two years, To yeah. stabilize the church. Um, and then, you know, I promise I'll, I will downgrade and spend more time at home and stuff like that and she agreed she said you know what? i understand you're planning a church everything's new blah 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 blah. and that was the agreement two years come by and she says hey you made that promise two years ago it's been two years and he's like oh one more year one more year and he delays and it's you know five years arrive and he comes home one day late from church presumably and he starts hearing smashing and kathy keller is smashing plates in the balcony yeah, she's um, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and 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 he he comes in trembling and he looks in the back and he's like, "What is going on?" And she's like, "This is what you're doing to our marriage." And she's smashing the place, but it she's obviously obviously. And he said for him that was a wake up call in terms of I. You know what? I messed up because I promised two years. I probably shouldn't have done Five that. Years. You know, all of that all of that time has elapsed and I'm still acting up and I'm not listening to her. And, you know, I think people people would have looked at that situation and be like, oh my days, she's crazy. Like, what? <laughs> I go, like, can you imagine walking into your spouse and you're seeing them smashing plates thinking, you know, raw? interestingly, I didn't think she's crazy. I thought they're rich. <laughs> <laughs> you're just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> just breaking stuff you have to replace, raw. But, but I, Sometimes I like, it's worth it. <laughs> to make a point. That's the thing. So it's, she's trying to be heard. She's like, you're not, you're not, you're not hearing yeah, me. And yeah. if it takes breaking a few plates for you to hear me we go and break a few break plates. plates um and i think that's what it really does boil down to and it's probably because men can tend towards a very domineering which is part of the full hmm. domineering position which is the default is i'm right so there isn't really much premise for me to listen to you if you have to have something to critique regarding how i do things. that's interesting actually that's that's a very interesting point. The default is I'm right. That's interesting because the the, the point biblically isn't that um, the man is right. It's that he bears ultimate responsibility yeah. for the decision that's taken, which is different from I'm right. Mm. So if there's two conversing opinions between the spouses, um, the, the the point is that um, at that situation, if it can't be resolved in a way where everyone's on board with one decision and mm. it goes with the man's decision in that certain certain circumstance he's ultimately responsible yeah. for that decision that was made. Doesn't mean his decision was right. Mm. Um, but often what happens is because you have that sense of ultimate responsibility, people equate that with I'm right. Yeah. And therefore, whatever you say, yeah. which is contrary to what I'm thinking or saying is not valid. Mm. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. Um, and it happens now, I think increasingly outside of the context of marriage where men just have this feeling when they're talking and interacting with women, just in general, it's like, I'm, I'm right. So mm. whatever you're saying, well, I'm right. So <laughs> until you learn how to say what yeah. I'm saying, I'm right. And you're yeah. not. Mm. Question on work that a few times has come up has been, what is the place of personal enjoyment of work and financial remuneration? I, like this I love the way you phrased it. <laughs> I think it differs depending on what's it, what state you're in. Mm. So if I was married and let's say Bay is Mark and Mark, Mark was like, oh, I'm bringing in X amount, but 
I don't really enjoy it and I want to do insert occupation that may provide or may not provide income mm. I might be like sorry but you didn't sign up to enjoy your work you signed up to provide for me so mm. get back to work okay cutthroat wow <laughs> <laughs> that's the future MD <laughs> <laughs> But I think there's a balance. Of course, very, that's a, that's a harsh... You're going to learn today. <laughs> it's a harsh example. But I think your your priority in mm. your marriage is to provide for your wife. Of course, you find the balance. I'm not saying you're not to enjoy your work. Please mm. do. But it may you may have to work a long period in a job that you don't actually particularly enjoy because you're deciding that you have to provide for your wife in a specific mm. period. And maybe if things... And maybe if your savings are at a comfortable place or you can afford to take some time out to, to consider another career then mm. go for it. But mm. I think that's different to when you're single and you're very flexible and you think, okay, I don't enjoy my role as a firefighter. Okay, so interesting. So on that point, so you're, say, it's just like going on the basis that you're single. Um, how do you balance it between fi- uh, financial remuneration and your Oh, so you're journey? saying like, if you're looking at, um, let's say you want to be a firefighter, but you've looked at like, the lifetime earnings of a firefighter and you think, I, I won't enjoy it. I won't as, earn as much as opposed to a yeah Bank so I'm, I'm like thinking about how do you how do you guys do it like how do you weigh it up how do you decide between okay this job is going to pay me this but i'm not really going to enjoy that as much but i enjoy this but it's going to pay me this. like where where does it weigh up and if you find a job that you enjoy mm. you find another job that you think you're going to enjoy a little less but the pay is going to be a lot more like where do you where do you there's, draw um, the line? there's actually this graph that shows um now i know the the way they do the research is probably questionable but it correlates happiness Mm-hmm. or stated happiness to yeah, earnings and it sort of plateaus Plateaus, yeah. at around 40k plus mm-hmm. and the idea is that you only need a certain once you've reached a certain amount to be quite comfortable then there isn't necessarily an increased happiness due to an increase in salary that survey wasn't in london <laughs> no but no no but okay that it, it wasn't. wasn't it wasn't i think <laughs> no I but think i think it was the, broad, the principles broad, are correct though yeah, yeah. I, I think so so my the idea is here, and I, and I, and this is this informs part of my position in saying that I would put more emphasis on enjoyment, a significantly more more emphasis, but not not too much. So I wouldn't say enjoyment is the only thing that matters, but I'll say it does matter significantly because it matters. It affects the type of work you can do and the quality yeah. of your work, and that shapes a lot of what it means to progress in your work. Mm. I think if if you know if you enjoy stats and you enjoy all this heavy data, you're going to find that your work is better, you know, in terms of its quality. All your publications are going to be better, mm. and you're going to find it easier to progress than someone who's doing the very same job but is doing the very minimum because they don't enjoy. It. Yeah, just waiting for that five o'clock bell to ring yeah. and so they can disappear. And I think that's so true because even I was literally in a job that I didn't particularly enjoy and mm. now i'm in a job that i do enjoy and right like of course i'm not you still owe your employer you don't want to steal from your employer you, you want to put the best work you mm-hmm. can for the glory of god but like just the difference i've seen like i don't mind staying an over an hour i don't yeah. mind rechecking i don't mind starting early just to ensure that the, my piece of work is good whereas mm. when i was working at that other job i was just, just doing all i could but it was more like doesn't matter my work doesn't bring any sort of significance anyway so i think for me like of course, I'm young, so I still have time to... There's no, like... What's the word? There's no pressure on me. There's no responsibility right. on me to... So I think now I can take... I can begin to uh, take the risks in trying to find mm. a job that I incredibly mm. like. So if I if I find a job, like, oh, this job is amazing, and it, it may, it may I don't know, over the next 20 years, pay maybe 10% less than a job that I'm currently in. Right. I might take it. Because I think when you enjoy your job, like, it, 
you, you literally wake up and you're like, okay, I have to go to work. We all don't like work naturally, but it's a lot better than going to a job that yeah. you don't like. Yeah. And you spend so much time at work. You're thinking so about the, wor- the, co- <laughs> like, the colleagues, the work lunch, you're trying to oh, have to avoid people. This is dry. Like you're just, but if you love your work, you can yeah. literally manage all of it. Yeah. Which is, which is why I guess it, it, it just means that the whole financial thing, it is an important question. Um, but I think especially if we're dealing with the context of someone who's single, relatively young, um, you're seeking to try and do something that you can be proud of. Mm. Um, and I'll end by saying, I would even say, you know, there are instances where I would say, you know, take risks with the financial remuneration and trust God. Like, mm. I think like, the- So I'm thinking of like artisan type jobs where, you know, I want to be an actor, I want to be a, painter but there's no prescribed salary big you know that or i don't know what the starting salary would be when i do this but I, yeah go for it because you enjoy it it, it definitely increases your, increases your odds and be able to work harder and see that progression and then just trust that god will help you in that because he is even being glorified in your enjoyment of the good work that you're engaging in and in most cases most cases people who enjoy their work yeah are receiving a decent salary yeah it might not be what my friend who's a ex is getting but you've got enough to live you've got enough mm, to sustain yourself mm. and the the joy that you found in find in your work you don't mind earning less than someone else who doesn't enjoy their work but yeah. i think the pressure is because we live in london and house prices are so expensive and you know if you want to do this if you want to do that when you get older right it becomes an issue if you're not earning enough but those things the cult- and the, forced to buy a house the cultural liturgy is literally i think predominantly pay class and and what you can display i don't really hear conversations like how much are you enjoying your work how much are you enjoying your work and comparing everyone's like okay what's your pay though (laughs) like you want to tell me how much you and how much you gonna get when you qualify yeah like so when so like when you when you start work you don't think where am i on the scale of satisfaction as compared to my other friends what we usually think is where am i on the scale of pay compared to my other friends Mm. That's what we use as our, as our, and I think that's what the culture is trying to make us think about. And we should probably reverse it a bit and say, mm, satisfaction matters and probably matters more than the pay in in the context we're discussing of a single person who's, who's young. It's interesting. These, are, strive. these views are increasingly anti-capitalist um, and are in line with what is the default, I nah. think, perception of... No, Kofi's dangerous. No, no the, the, mine, the, is, the, mine is pure capitalism. The, the, the default perception of millennials, that oh. the, the viewpoints on work are very different to what our parents viewed mm. yeah. work as. I think a lot of people look actually for work to be enjoyable and to be mm. fulfilling. Um, whereas maybe in a generation before, it was, I've got a job which enables me to have life mm. and I'm going to work there until I die. And you see mm. people like 30, mm. 40 years in the same job. Um, they don't lo- love it too much, but they just grow to be able to endure it and they do it. Mm. But we're, we're increasingly quite different, which is interesting. We're not I think, even, work's not really a big thing to us. Like, like Most millennials but, but, are very flexible with their work. But I think that's what makes our economy more, I said our economy, the millennial economy. I can't think of another word now. Mm-hmm. Um, more um vibrant than than previous times so i think there was a whole age or generation of bureaucracy where it was all about middle management and mm-hmm. like like kofi said this sort of like i've got this i'm gonna stay with it um be so and so manager at this 
company for like 30 years and then retire. Um, but we have this whole flexibility, this rise of entrepreneurship. Um, and just because we are increasingly valuing that satisfaction, our work will naturally tend to be of better quality and will add more value to those people we're serving. It's a good thing which you said lends, huh? It's a good thing you said ten because sometimes you can enjoy something you're not good at. Yeah. So no, no. So it's not. It's not an absolute thing. But, but I, I think, think life will show you rappers. Life will eventually. <laughs> it's true. That's the big thing. Like rappers. No, but even them, like the life will eventually guys. show you that it's not. It's not feasible for you. You ain't seen some man at forty two at no, Westfields. And, trying and to life is still. Life is telling them. And Stormzy <laughs> said it's never too late to commit. Life is telling them that it's not feasible. I don't listen to stories like that. <laughs> were you <laughs> wait gang signs and fences? But you you were on the, you were on that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I Where listen. I like, listen for the purpose of the um, podcast, though. I don't listen to him like that. I don't enjoy his music. Go home that to much. your kids. It's never too late to commit. Something like that. I like him as a person, but don't anyway. enjoy his music that much. Okay, Easy. so it's it, we've been speaking for a long time. Yeah, but um, it, this was fun. Ox yeah. BB part three. Yeah, um, this is also a season finale. So yeah. So. Any last thoughts? What? Kofi's only been on a one episode, so let me just talk to someone who's been on. I'm just kidding. Yeah, any any thoughts? <laughs> any thoughts of the season? When are we coming back? That's a good question. Um, stay tuned. We're stay gonna tuned. Do, we're gonna do a, a how to get away with murder kind of. I don't watch how cliffhanger. To get away with you don't. <sighs> I don't either. <sighs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I I quite I quite enjoyed the feminine appeal episode. Oh, um, it was. I think it was interesting to hear the the perspectives that were offered on that particular pod. Um, I'm not sure how this leads into next season. I don't think we we confirm for certain what no. we want to do with next season. But what, mm. what we'll probably do is try to get some feedback from you guys. Yeah. To think about what you enjoyed, what you didn't enjoy as much, and what you would like to see us to do more of, mm. um, so that we can try and make sure that our content is actually hitting. Um, the types of areas that we we're, we're, that can actually have the impact that we're hoping for and praying for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wow. com. we're still going to put up articles mm-hmm. and content. So we've got a load of videos that are going to come out as well. Um, so whilst we're away from the podcast, there'll still be a lot. So please do keep on com and our mailing list, which is at tinyurl.com forward slash blackberry. And you can follow us there as well. And our, um, we always, we use that thing. What's it called? Curious Cat. Yeah, Curious Cat. Ask us questions on Curious Cat. What we'll do after this episode drops is like put our Curious Cat up. Ask us questions, anonymous mm. questions, mm. whether they're about Israel Kofi, Mary, Richard Dami, or about theology. Just like ask us questions and then we'll, we'll do our best to answer them. Um, you missed out Tofe, by the way. To engage. You missed out Tofe, by the way. And Tofe. And Tofe <laughs> too. Um, I don't know why I did that. I, why it just happened. Because, <laughs> no, it's because everyone's in the house. Yeah, everyone was here. Everyone's in the house apart from T. Um, mm. But yeah, like ask us questions and ask us like what you oh, and tell us things as well that you want to tell us about what you want, want us to do in the future. And season three will be here soon. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> keep your ears locked. We want to keep you on the edge of your feet as feet? you eagerly or anticipate and wait seat? in longing expectation. Oh, guy, what, you were <laughs> born here, were you? <laughs> he said seat. He said the edge of your feet, <laughs> bruv. I mad. Meant seat, innit? You meant seat. That's really mad. It's mad. I that- did that last time with the lashback. Lash. Oh. <laughs> what were you trying to say? Backlash. Yeah. Mad. That was the funniest thing. I nearly died. Who was that? Um. Immigration. Episode immigration episode. Immigration. immigration. I, I can't that. remember the context anymore. Wait, what was that the context? So funny. Immigration. Um, oh, backlash that. against globalization. Anyway, yeah. And so I was like, saying that. Lashback. 
And I was like, I was like, what's Whoa. the word? What's the word? What's the word? That, that was really, yeah. Oh, that was a highlight to you. At your age. That's bad. At, at your big age. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the worst insult, you know. At your big age. Yeah. <laughs> it cuts like, so really, much. It you're just so big. You're just like, right. At your you big, big, <laughs> you at, at your big, big age. It's and like, then your mum is like, eh, and, you're, what is, and your age mates are married and kids. And you're doing, ah, oh, I actually want to cry. You're just there like, right. You know, it's oh. true. That might need to reassess a little bit. Oh god. Anyway, outro, outro. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for listening, guys. We really appreciate the love, the support, the likes, just a reviews, all, all of that, all of that. Everything. We really do appreciate the love, the tweets, the emails. Um we love you guys. Season three will be a, back. A bit much. Keep it locked on blackbrea.com. My name is Mary. I'm Israel. I'm Kofi and this was Black Berea.